The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we're looking to provide you with some more information and inspiration to get you started or further along the path in your real estate investing endeavors. And today we're doing an X-Factor Investor interview. I looked up and I looked up and thought, you know, we, we did those every month for a while and then it's been a while and who should, who should we have do one of these interviews with somebody who's just like been super successful, you know, kind of already gone to the, to the end of that path that many of us are in the middle of, or even just first setting a foot on. And I thought to myself, you know who I haven't done an X Factor investor interview with? Andy Teasley. Andy has oh, how had... About that? Henny has had quite a quite a career and has uh, quite a presence. Uh, even even though he's from California, he's got quite a presence here in my home state of Ohio. Since he helps to run the weekly Cincinnati RIA prop swap meeting, which I I, I just got to say, if you folks haven't participated in that, you have missed. <laughs> A lot of good deal making, a lot of really interesting creative deals put together. And of course, you can get more information on that at CincinnatiRIA.com. He's also uh, on the board of his local RIA group. So like all the way across the country, he belongs to two different real estate associations and helps, yeah. helps in uh, both of those. And what what is the name of your group out there in California? It's yeah. called the Inland Empire Real Estate Investors Club. Hmm. Because we chose not to pay the franchise fee to use the association. <laughs> not that they're entitled to it. Boy, but... California. Yeah. I keep, I keep telling you there's other places to live, dude. Uh, well, <laughs> when dad goes to heaven, I'm going to Madeira Beach. That's just a given. <laughs> he knows it. Everybody knows it. So I can't, aff- I can't afford to stay in this state. They steal too much of my money. <laughs> so... Andy, you have been doing real estate in various forms for many, many years. Otherwise, you wouldn't be on this X Factor Investor Show. <laughs> you know, let's not put numbers on things; it'll scare both of us. I yes, I'm, 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 I'm even hesitant these days to remind people how long I've been doing this, and you've been doing it for um, about the same a, amount of a time. Day or two longer. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, let's, uh, with the, with our X factor shows, what we like to do is start out with just like, what was your path? How, oh. how, how did you, how did you get from baby Andy to real estate investor Andy? 
okay, well, this might shock you, but I got into real estate investing because I was up watching late night TV. I know you've never heard that before, but uh, I actually went and had a guru and she gave me a, a, a big sack of really basic real estate education. And uh, I did what most people did. I screwed around and, and spun my wheels and didn't get much accomplished for the first few years. Um, and then went on and, and I, I've been a serial entrepreneur. I, I get bored easily. Although I haven't so much since I've gotten into real estate full time because uh, it's always something different. And that's why I love the exchange meetings because you never know how, what's going to happen in an exchange meeting because they're always unique. Mm -hmm. So, and, and but what, I, uh, what, what I were, got out. What were you doing for money when you happened to be watching late night TV and get pulled into one of those? I believe I was, I was going to Cal Poly still working on my engineering degree. Um, and uh, my partner and I had a, concessions business we we provided the snacks on on the weekends for the local ayso group and uh we didn't know how good we had it back then we were making about a thousand bucks a week and and this is back in the late 70s early 80s um and as i look back on that now that was a lot of money mm -hmm. we were really spoiled <laughs> um so but i that's what we were doing and, and it was working okay and we were happy and uh, so I went and did this thing. And so we jumped around and, and did a lot of her tricks. And, and then when I got out of school, we went, we had a habit of going and eating a meal before in the, in midweek before we got to it. And there was a chicken place that we liked to eat at and they made really good pan fried chicken. And, and the mother and daughter team that owned it were about to, uh, retire and they sold it to, the place to us on good terms. And, and, uh, so we bought it, um, much to the dismay of my parents who'd paid for my education. I I've never worked as an engineer. Uh, I, it was good education. And, and since, and from there, just life was life. I've done a lot of crazy stuff. I, I've often thought that if I was to come back in the, you know, time machine and, and talk to myself, and and tell myself what, what I was going to do with my life, I think I would probably want to know what I was smoking because uh, it's been kind of unbelievable that you, know, you look back on it and I've had a really good time and I've met a lot of really nice people and and a lot of people that aren't so nice, but but that's okay. There's always people that aren't so nice and, and uh, I've just sort of been flexible in life. I, I'm going to have a good time. I, I, if I get bored, I'll move on and do something different. Um, so I, I, I'm very blessed that my parents always let me know that, you know, there was always a meal waiting for me if I really screwed up and, and got to the point where I couldn't buy groceries. So um, I hope that, it, that all of our parents in the audience can provide that for their kids, that that confidence uh, allows you to do an awful lot more in life that you would not be able to do otherwise. You're so. listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today to Andy Teasley. We're just kind of going to see where the conversation goes. He's an X-Factor investor and has done a lot of really interesting things. And uh, this is a pre-recorded program because I am actually in New Smyrna Beach right now, as you guys listen to this, helping launch the New Smyrna Beach chapter of the 
community of real estate entrepreneurs, our first out of state chapter. So couldn't, couldn't be here in the studio tonight, uh, pre-recording the program. So there's not a Q and a option today, unfortunately, but actually I'm going to give you a chance a little bit later on to have some more time with Andy. Uh, we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Today is an X-Factor Investor show with Mr. Andy Teasley, who describes himself as a serial entrepreneur. That's interesting because in a lot of our X-Factor shows, that beginning part is, well, I got into corporate America and then I decided that wasn't good and I found my way into real estate. Andy was like, nah, I was just doing whatever looked like it would make money and be fun and be entrepreneurial. And then real estate popped up as a possibility in that regard. So when you first, uh, you know, everybody goes through that stage where they have got to get that basic information that you got off of the infomercial. So just so they know, like, what is, what is a deed and like, how do you value houses and, you know, things that, oh, things that are key, right? Yeah. I mean, there was, I really, I, I tend to be really disgusted by, by the system that the gurus have put in place and, and the fact that, that the value that they provide is often minimal compared to the price, but you still got to have it. You can't just jump in with no knowledge and, and go. Um, I, I hope everyone, I mean, I, I know in Ohio, there's great, great opportunities there with, with the uh, Real Estate Investors Group. And uh, I hope everyone's participating in that because there's just so much benefit that you can get for very little money uh, that I had to pay what was a lot of money back then to get. I mean, I paid $3,000 for a weekend and in 1980 that was a substantial <laughs> amount of cash well and let's not let's not um let's not under understate the rio cincinnati thing people don't actually have to be in ohio to be in that anymore that's true i'm <laughs> there every week <laughs> it's, it's uh yeah since since all except one of the meetings or two of the meetings every month are on zoom uh and that you know even with those two meetings subtracted that's still like 14 meetings a month uh, yeah. People join us from all over the United States. And uh, if y'all are interested in knowing more about that, that's CincinnatiRia.com. And while we're talking about Cincinnati Ria, Andy, before I forget, uh, you are going to be the early bird workshop presenter at our meeting next week. So Thursday, the 18th. Yeah. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be in town too. So, yep. Yep, and gonna gonna talk specifically about one piece of what I think we're gonna end up talking about here, which is how you use notes on both sides, purchasing and selling properties, and um, different different ways to manipulate the Play-Doh of the notes to make sure that you can get the properties you want and also can turn them into cash if you need cash. So. Again, CincinnatiRia.com, you can get a link for that. That's going to be on Zoom. And uh, so tell us, like, you got the you got the course, you got the basic information, and then what were the first strategies that you approached? Most of us try a few things before we land on what we really like. Right. And uh, and I certainly tried a lot of stuff. You have to remember, this was, this was before the age of the computer. Um, but so some of the, the basic stuff that I got from that class that I still use to this day 
are things like getting a property profile from the, the title company. Uh, it's, it's, there's so many companies out there selling these systems and ways to get information. And, and my biggest challenge back then was, was trying to, back then they would courier, you, you'd call and order a property profile and they would courier it out to your office and it would be there really fast because they wanted to sell that title insurance. And, uh, the biggest challenge for me was that I didn't have an office. So I was sitting in my parents' house uh, on my bed, usually on the extension phone. And I can do a really good job of sounding like a business, but I can't make myself look like a business. So they'd say, oh, we'll get that courier right out. And I'd say, oh, no, don't bother. I, I really don't. I'm just thinking about it. I don't want you to waste a trip just for me. And my brother-in-law works right around the corner from your plant. So I'll just have him go over there on his break, and, and he can pick it up. And they'd say, oh, well, that's very nice of you. And do you need anything else while he's here? And I said, no, no, that's all we need. Thanks. I appreciate it. And and what time would Brady be ready? About two hours. Okay, well, I'll get him to come over there. And then, of course, I didn't have a brother-in-law at the time, so I'd go pick it up. Uh, and they couldn't figure out that I was me. Uh, so... <laughs> That was that was the challenge when you're 18 and trying to do this stuff, and, and there's no computers. Now, uh, I just pick up, I sit down at my desk, and I can get an entire property profile myself in the middle of the night if I happen to be up working then. And tools are so much easier now. Um, the first thing I did when I got out of that class was dumpster dive, and the, the object of the dumpster dives was to find thrown out MLS books and make offers to all of the expired listings. <laughs> now you said there's, there's listeners who are going, Oh, he's making that up. Uh -uh. I assure you, I have not heard this story before. I assure you, Andy is not making that up. Oh no, it's that's the real truth. We were in the dumpsters behind dozens and dozens of real estate offices. And we pulled out a handful of expired books um, and we had a script to go through and we'd start through that question of scripts and then we'd get hung up on about four questions in. So that's when I learned how to be pretty proficient on a telephone. And uh, it was a good education. And, and I think the first thing I got was a piece of raw land uh, that was in a poor part of town uh, a few miles from my house. And uh, that actually is where I ended up living. Um, I got an acre and a quarter and I got a a 1955 10 by 50 uh, Pepto Bismol pink two bedroom one bath mobile home, and that's where I was living until my wife drug me out to the desert. <laughs> and and I think it's an important point to make because I mean the the reason we do these X Factor shows is to show people that the person you're looking at that you're like oh that's an ender he does so well he knows so much they all start someplace very different than where they are right now. And I think that there's a, a lesson here that I feel obligated to point out, which is you, you guys did all that because you didn't have money. You couldn't, oh, yeah. you couldn't go get a real estate license. You couldn't pay the fees. You couldn't uh, afford to market. You couldn't. So, so you made it work. Right. You did. You know, I was raised, you do what you have to do. I, my, my parents were both products of the depression. Um, one of my jobs when I was young uh, is if my dad wanted to build a project at the house, um, we would go out in the evening to the nearby building sites and we would 
collect all the bent nails. My dad was a very honorable, still is, very honorable man. And he considered that if you were take, picking up straight nails that the, the guys had dropped, that was theft because they might bend over and pick it up and use it again. Of course, those of us that have people like that that work for us know what the odds of that is. But uh, so one of the jobs I had to do was straighten nails. You know, if there's a project, you get the nail can out and, and you start straightening nails. And I've straightened hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of nails in my life um, because that's what you did. I'm laughing because my father was also a product of the depression. And I remember doing things like he, you know, he, he had, he had apartments and if he had uh, seven partial cans of paint, yeah. they would all get poured together and turned into a new color. <laughs> Hey, because... I used to do that all the time. That's good paint. <laughs> why? Yeah, why waste good paint? <laughs> I can make tan. I, I learned early on how to make tan. You just have to, if it's it was uh, if it was too pink, you added green. If it's too too green, you added pink. It's been too long since I've done it, uh, but I mixed all my paint for a long, long time. All mistinted from from the big box. So your very first deal ended up being one that you found a way to use as your personal residence and then yep. like strategically were you were you buying stuff to hold buying it to flip i was mostly spinning my wheels and i will tell you that one of the reasons that i i am as successful as i am is that i'm i'm very stubborn and and i think you will find that most people that succeed in life that's the the main criteria you have to be stubborn let's call it you let's call to, it persistent okay <laughs> stubborn. put your head down and keep going forward um, I tried adverse possession on, and I, I took a class in adverse possession and I, I didn't quite understand it. You know, I took a teaser class. So I, I learned about that. I hired an attorney to tell me the right way to do it, paid $500 to have all the research, to know how to do adverse possession and, and learn to do that and pay taxes and fence properties and, and put up a for rent sign on a vacant lot and, and do that for five years. And you can take title in California. Um, Eventually, I figured out that I should start buying and holding some rental properties, and I bought and hold rental properties, and I was doing pretty good. I, I lived through the twenty year, the twenty percent inflation or uh, interest rates. Um, I can remember when I got my personal residence interest rate down to ten percent, because that was the rate that the family charged when you when you borrowed money from the family because they could do ten percent on the T bills. <laughs> And so they'd lend at 10. And when I finally got a mortgage down below 10%, I was just tickled pink. That was the best money I had ever borrowed in my life. <laughs> uh, 2005, I looked at what was happening on our economy here. I looked at McMansions that were being built three hours from a good job and had a five-foot on either side yard and maybe a 15-foot in the back. And, and there was just... Way too much house on way too little lot. There was no justification for those houses. And the people that were buying them, it didn't make sense. And in 2005, I got cold feet. I looked at my inventory and I went through it and I said, am I going to keep this when it's only worth 25 cents on the dollar to what it's worth now? And cowardly me, I sold all of the ones I didn't want to keep through in 2005. And I started flipping land, which is where I really learned how to structure 
the note systems that I use today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And 2005, by the way, was a really good year to get cold feet and sell off everything that you didn't want to if, hold when it was worth 25 cents on the dollar. So good press. If I'd there. stayed in it for two more years, I would have probably made two and a half million dollars more. Uh, yes, but if you'd stayed in it for three more years... I would be. I would have lost a boatload of money. Yes. Yeah. All right. So we're, you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today to Andy Teasley about just the the path the path that people take to from where they start to where they end up. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. This is an X-Factor investor show where we just kind of see what we can find out from folks who have gone way down the path toward real estate success. And uh, Andy Teasley is one of those people. Um, we're kind of just exploring like what that path looked like. And hopefully you're hearing some stuff that's resonating with you if you are somebody who's trying to get started without a lot of money. He's told you how he did that. If you're somebody who's kind of doing something and thinking this isn't it yet, there's other paths to explore. So, so far he's gone through adverse possession cases. He's gone through rental case, his rental property portfolio and has gone on to flipping land. But as we get to today, Andy, You've... Actually, I think I can do that because I was I was going to say it's a good segue into flipping land into what we're doing these days because that's where I learned about notes and the power of paper. Um, since I didn't have a lot of money, I had to make my money work, but and I, and I had some put away, but I I really wanted to save it for uh, for the crash because uh, I honestly believed that I was going to have houses for darn near free. And as it turned out, I was right. Um, so I would send out offers to buy land from people who didn't appreciate what they owned. And I was buying it for pennies on the dollar. Uh, people that were about to let them go to the tax sale and I would sell them and I'd get a down payment and I would take a note back secured by the land and I got really, really used to getting lots of little checks and it was really good to me. Um, and I sold hundreds and hundreds of acres, lots of lots and big pieces, little, I was died by anything that I could get and I'd market it. And I learned how to, to take, uh, what we call yellow dog down deals where, where anything that, that we can get traded in. So we've got, the guy's got some skin in the game. It didn't matter what it was. We'd sell him a piece of property. And, uh, and I sold a lot of property that way and, and it was going really, really good. I was really happy with it until the crash. And when the crash happened, all these people who, who had bought my property and were so excited because they were going to do something in the future with it. Um, when they were starting to look at bills that they had to forego, they had to look at what bills they were going to not pay this month. Um, suddenly that piece of land they bought that was in that path of progress and it was their dream for the future. Suddenly that was the one piece that they could live without in their life and they could let that go and it wouldn't negatively affect their relationship with their spouse. Uh, you know, all those other things that, that you have to deal with when you go sideways in life. So 
I got it all back. I got, well, most of it back. Some of, some of them sold for cash and they, they were away for good, but a lot of them came back and I suffered for a little while. My, I scrambled and did a lot of things. I delivered some pizza, um, did what you have to do. Cause I was not going to dig into my cash. That cash was for buying real estate and, and uh, you never, you never eat the seed corn. It's just something that's a rule that, that you really should make. Um, I, I, there's a great story about it. I will relate to you if you catch me in private about the, uh, the, the heiress, uh, lady of the evening. Uh, so, but we're not going to do that on public radio. So in 2009, I was screwing around on the internet and, and noticed that they were selling houses in my area in Southern California for prices that I thought didn't cover the, the cost of the land under the house. Uh, and I had a friend and I, and he put up some money and I put up some money and we went on a buying spree. I assembled a crew. I had a crew of about six guys working as contractors for me. And we went through and we were buying everything that we could buy from the banks and we'd get them rehabbed quick and rented and, Rents were just just slowly creeping up very nicely, and it, they, we targeted affordable housing, which is always a good place to be. And in nine and ten, we bought fifty-one doors. Uh, so that's was what I did, and and I had all this. I still have probably three hundred acres of, of land that that's, I guess you would call it REO. It's land I ended up taking back, but so. In 2012, 13, it started getting hard to buy houses that way. And it's kind of like where we've been here the last couple of years. Well, it's been pretty consistent here since 2013. It's hard to buy good houses and, and that rent. And so in Southern California, we the only thing I have that's affordable is mobile homes. And that's what we do now. We buy mobile homes. We use paper to buy them anytime we can. We either buy them really cheap for cash or we get the seller to carry financing for us. And then we turn around and we let somebody come in and make a down payment. And then we finance the home purchase for them. And they pay us monthly to live in our house. We don't have to maintain it. If you don't want to be a landlord, uh, a housing provider, I got to keep changing that darn name comes in. If we're not going to be a housing providers, then paper is a good way to go forward in life. And the only problem with paper is it does expire. It gets paid off. So you have to keep replacing it. So it's not like you're building total wealth, but you're building some wealth. You're building and lots of income. Lots of income. For the, oh, yeah. From that, from that paper and the, the reinvesting that income so that it, it can become more income as the paper, as you said, expires. Someday someone's going to make the last payment on yeah. that. On that note, and they're going to own the mobile home. They're going to celebrate and I'm going to cry. <laughs> so I want to, I want to untangle that a little bit more because what you, okay. what you do there is, is kind of unusual. And, I, and now I see the evolution. I see, I see how it went from land to houses to mobile homes because you learned how to creatively deal structure with the land. Then the next thing that made sense was homes because back in the times you, that you were talking about banks were, um, let's just say very flexible in their asking prices because they had way too many houses in inventory. And then that stopped oh, yeah. being true. And you looked around and said, all right, what's the other affordable housing around here? And the answer was mobile homes. So you're buying 
your current business is you buy mobile homes there in your backyard. Mm-hmm. And yep, right here, what give give us give us a feel for what like the price range of. Although the cheapest ones I've gotten in the last few years have been free because they had a, a serious problem and they belong to, to people that own the park, the land under the home. And they want to be in the lot business, not in the land business, uh, not in the mobile home business. They, they even less want to have tenants than I do. And <clears throat> excuse me, the, uh, so we get them as free, as low as free. We get them for a couple of thousand bucks. Um, it just basically, it depends on how how much of a problem you're able to solve. That's going to be the answer to how good a price you're going to get on the mobile homes. What's what's on the top income. end of the kind of home you would buy? Who the, the most expensive mobile alone I've bought is probably ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And then homes on land. Homes on land, you know, you got to pay for the land. So I. I've paid those. This won't make sense because understand when you, when you add financing and the price suddenly goes away as a factor. So I've bought, I bought mobile homes on land and paid $175,000, but it was because of the structure. So, so, so I, I wanted you to say that number so that folks who don't live in California could understand that the kinds of properties you are buying are what we would call an affordable house here. A hundred one hundred seventy-five thousand dollar house here is kind of you know it's a it's a probably a low end B area starter home, ranch with no basement, and it, it, like like here that wouldn't be a mobile home. <laughs> here that would be right. a a stick built house, and you said that you're you're buying them either with owner financing. So I assume that's you know you do subject to you do owner held mortgages you do more more seller carryback financing because the vast majority of manufactured homes in in my neighborhood are free and clear ah okay the the where again also the vast majority of low-end affordable housing i think in in your neighborhood uh, especially stuff that belongs to seniors their family houses that were built in the in the the post-war era, so the, the the late 40s, early 50s, and and nobody had a second bathroom back then. That was unheard of, and you'd have three bedroom, one bath, and and everybody'd learn to dance in the morning. Um, so those those typical houses, they've gone free and clear. I, I read a statistics once, the uh, statistic once. It's been a while, and and that author claimed that 80% of the real estate in the United States is free and clear. I think the most recent number is something like 24%. Okay. But that's still a lot. I mean, that's still one out of every four houses. Okay. So you're, so you're, you're either saying to the owner, Hey, I can pay you more if you let me make it in payments or if that's not an option. Maybe maybe they have to sell it because of you know Medicaid reasons or they've got something else they need to invest it in. You are you said you're quote paying cash, but are you really are you really paying cash or are you really getting private lenders and partners involved? Oh, I I never have any money, so I'm always getting private lenders at this point. <laughs> um, people that know me that that spend time with me that are that are my people that that I invest with and and that borrow from me. A lot of my students borrow from me. Um, 
they understand when, when Andy's got money in an account and it's sitting still, uh, Andy is very annoyed. Uh, I, I whine and gripe about it all the time. Um, so those of you that know me know how excited I am about having money sit still. It's just not anything I enjoy. Mm -hmm. So, uh, when it happens, I'm usually busily trying to find somewhere else to put that stuff to work. And that's my job. So, so it's kind of, it's kind of in a way become, it's kind of in a way come full circle. When you started, you bought properties creatively because you didn't have any money. And now many, many years later, you're buying them no money down because you can. And because I want my money working somewhere else that I think is, is more efficient. All right. Very good. Want to want to finish this conversation in our next segment, but we do need to take a quick break. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Bina Jones-Cox, talking today to Andy Teasley, an X-Factor investor about how he got started how his career has progressed, how he has made it work, even in big downturns, even when he was a college student with no money uh, and up through today. And we're talking about his current strategy, which is by mobile homes, mostly with creative financing so that he doesn't have money in them. And then Andy, I heard turning around and selling them to people who are going to move in. They're going to become homeowners uh, they're going to make you payments instead of making the banks pay the bank payments. And I'm, I'm just reading between the lines there that this means you no longer consider yourself a rehabber. Uh, uh, I have a friend named Peter Fortunato and Peter Fortunato has a saying that I have stolen. And that is I'll take any part of the deal, but the work. Uh, Cause I really, I'll, I love structure. I, I love you know, at some point you get enough rental properties and I have enough, you get to the point where you don't have to get out of bed in the morning and, and people have interesting definitions of wealth, but, but the true definition of wealth is freedom. When, when you reach the point where if you want to go spend a week with your friends in Ohio in the summer, when it's pleasant there, you can climb on an airplane and go there and spend a week and have a good time and your business does its thing. It, your, your housing manager slash tenants pay the bills. They take care of your, your houses and you get to work on having a good time. And so buying houses with, with creative structures, uh, selling houses with creative structures, buying ugly old rotten structures and making them safe, and a nice place to live to provide nice, affordable housing for families. That's just a fun thing to do. Mm -hmm. I, I, I enjoy my life. I, I don't have to work hard anymore. And that, uh, that ultimately is, is everybody's goal. They, that's not the way they put it. They say, oh, I want to own 100 doors and I want to have $25,000 a month in cash flow. But no, that's not actually the goal. The goal is live the life that $25,000 a month in cash flow lets you live. It's not about the 25,000 at all. It's about Absolutely. the lifestyle that you get to live when those checks are coming in no matter what. So Andy, many times on the Cincinnati area prop swap calls, you have actually offered to sell parts of these 
notes that you have created. In other words, now the, the, you got the, uh, the owner occupant living there, taking care of the property, fixing the property. They're paying you every month. And I have heard you say, I will sell the next uh, 84 payments of this loan that is due to me for this much cash. Why would you do that? Well, one, it's kind of fun to do. It's nice to help people along in their, in their thing. The other is that, that I learned how to use a financial calculator. And I've taken a number of really good classes over the years. Some of them are still available. Some of them are no longer available uh, because people have gotten old and, and, you know, gone to heaven. So we can't take those classes anymore. But a lot of them are preserved, and the ones that are preserved, I like to go through and listen to them again. So I've gotten to the point where I was inspired by Barney Zick, who taught me that notes are like Play-Doh. And I can 10x my my income, drive my, my profits substantially higher, because I know how to play with that tool. And I publish a newsletter that's called the weekly what if it comes out free. It comes out every Sunday if I don't get distracted and forget to do it. And all it is is different ways to structure deals and play with the notes. Um, So I would encourage everyone that's listening to this program. If you don't have you haven't had a good class on how to run a financial calculator, take one. There's a lot of good ones out there. Um, and just do a little research and, and you'll find the opportunities because that tool allows me to understand that, that I can do sell off this piece of the loan or, or use these, these payment stream to accomplish something I want to do. Um, I, it's, it's just so much fun to structure and it's so much fun to, to come to the exchange meeting and, and take a chance, put something out there. I mean, that's, to me, it's really entertainment. Like I said, you reach a certain point in your life where you don't have to anymore. And when you don't have to, you choose to do things that you enjoy doing. So and- this is, this is, um, this is an interesting, complete, like, like when you look at the whole structure of what's happening here from the purchase to the sale, to the potential raising of cash for whatever reason, by selling the thing you created when you sold it, um, it, it's a, it's a thing that you don't have to be into mobile homes to do. You, no. you can do that. You can do it with single family homes and it's, it's a, it's kind of a thing within itself, right? It's like the the whole thing from beginning to end is all one, it's all one big strategy. And I knew that we were going to have people listening and going, well, but, but what about the numbers? Tell, tell me the numbers you're buying for what you're selling for what, what's the interest rate on your notes? And Ladies and gentlemen, that is impossible to do on the radio. We have we've been we've been trying <laughs> yes. it. We've been trying it for 25 years and every time we start throwing numbers out onto the airwaves, people just go, "Wait a minute, wait a minute. I I didn't I couldn't write that down fast enough or I don't understand why this is." So, um knowing that that was going to come up, I scheduled a Zoom meeting with Andy for tomorrow night. That is Thursday the 11th, in case you happen to be listening to of August 2022, in case you happen to be listening to this as an archived show, uh, because he can he can like, show you a deal from beginning to end that would work on a mobile home would work on a single family home. But I think he's got to show it to you. I think he's got to show you the numbers. And 
Uh, if you didn't already get it, the link, there's no charge to that. No, it's no, nothing, you know, it's just, it's just a extra thing for real life, real estate listeners. If you did not get the invitation to that because you are not on our weekly email list, uh, I can send you a link if you will just hit me up at askvina at gmail.com. And it's going to be a one-time thing. So, you know, don't look for this to happen again. But uh, I think, it, I think Andy, it'll be really useful for people to see the numbers of all of this and oh, what, absolutely. what you mean when you say things like, well, I actually get a better return if I sell part of the note sometimes. Uh, cause that's a little, that's a little tough to explain on the radio. It, it is, it's hard. It, one nice thing is if I'm, if I'm slowed down and have to write it, it really helps me slow down and be understandable. So mm-hmm. if I'm confusing you at all, you should join me then. <laughs> so basically, and, and unfortunately we've, we've only got about three minutes left here. You, you like this affordable housing niche. You like doing creative strategies, both to buy and sell, you've been doing it long enough that it's kind of like you can just do it in your sleep. Probably the rest of us can't, but I bet you, you can. So let's talk just a little bit more about what your day-to-day life looks like. How much, how much of your typical day are you actually spending on your real estate business? On the real estate business? Well, I attend generally four to five exchange meetings a week. Uh, I go to a lot of networking events. I don't know if that really counts as working on my business or just having a good time talking to youngsters. Yeah, I, I think working on your business means like I'm either talking to somebody about payments or like I'm selling a deal. Like to me, that's the real estate <laughs> I business. Work very hard. I've, I have one house right now that that I had a tenant that's that's disappointed me. She promised to stay in, in it for at least 20 years until the gurney took her. But her daughter's gotten sick, and she has to go help her daughter take care of her grandkids. So she's leaving at the end of the month, and I have that one vacancy. So I get phone calls from the ad, and I send their number to the tenant who shows the house and hands out the application. And then I have to spend a couple hours reading applications as they trickle in. Um, I probably spend five hours a week on business. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't count writing the weekly what if questions. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't work that hard. I actually put more hours in cause I have a quote unquote handyman business that I, that I do to justify my solo 401k plan. And I have to earn about $60,000 a year as a handyman. So I can put away 57,000 in my, Roth retirement fund, but that's enough for a whole, a whole nother show, quite frankly. Yeah. I think people are going to have questions about that tomorrow night. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. So I like it. So it sounds like you got, you, you basically created the exact life you were looking for. I get to do what I want to do and spend five hours a week on business and be intellectually challenged by deal structuring and hang out with other entrepreneurs in my spare time and travel when I want to. Um, want to invite listeners again to hear more from Andy, either by joining us tomorrow night for a Zoom meeting. It will be at 8 p.m. Eastern time. It's open to anybody who wants to see one of these deals walked through. Uh, If you don't have a link to that 
email me at askvina at gmail.com and I'll send it to you. Uh, the, it did come out in the newsletter, in the, in the weekly uh, e-letter today. Also, he's going to be speaking about the notes part of this, the, the creation and structuring and what to do with notes at the Cincinnati RIA meeting next Thursday at 6 p.m. You can get a link to that all at CincinnatiRIA.com. And uh, while you're at CincinnatiRIA.com, check out his two-day seminar that he's doing here in Cincinnati on August the 20th and 21st. Uh, Andy, appreciate your time. Didn't get... Oh, I, didn't, I, I'm doing this stuff. It goes really fast. I can't believe it. Over, it does. Right. I'm looking at the long list of questions I wanted to ask you that I didn't get to. So maybe we'll have to do it again. Do, again someday. do it again someday. Yes. So uh, I will I will see you on Zoom tomorrow night. We will see you soon. Yes. And we'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <laughs>